this evening. Let's, let's take a moment and just pray. So, Father, it's in the name of Jesus that we gather with this simple understanding. Uh, just as you, your word tells us in Psalms 127, unless the Lord builds a house, those of us who labor, labor in vain. So, God, we've gathered for the purpose of, of, of making sure that we're in tune with you. And God, letting you know that we want to hear from you. So, Father, would you speak? Just as we pray on our Sunday morning gatherings, would you give us what we don't have that we need? Would you teach us what we don't know that we need? And, Lord, and even in a, a meeting like this, would you make us um, what we need to be that we're not? Lord, so many out in our world have throughout their lives been negatively impacted by church experiences and, and so I want to specifically pray that the opposite of that will be the result of our time this evening that as we gather and as we do talk about things that have practical implications that you that you allow us just to to sense your presence in such a way that we walk out of here with an attitude of excitement and and joy and, and Lord trust so Lord God our time and we thank you for this and ask this in the name of Jesus amen amen you can be seated and my goodness let me just begin by saying wow you uh, you guys showed up for an evening that's important for us as a church family and I'm very grateful for that and and because of that and if you've hung out with me very much, you know that um, that really, uh, I believe in something that's called the expectation principle. Most of life's frustration comes as a result of unmet expectation, and usually that's because those of us involved are not doing good at communication. And so, I want to communicate clearly what you should expect this evening. This is not really a business gathering, so let me take a little bit of pressure out of the room. Um, there's not going to be a vote. Uh, there's not something to vote about this evening. That's, that's not our purpose. This is an informational, vision-sharing gathering. We will come to a place as a church family where we need to do a vote um, because this, as you're about to hear, is a big, big vision. And so just on the outset this evening... Because we all come from, as I've, as I prayed, different life experiences, different church experiences. So just on the outset, uh, understand that. We're not going to move forward with these things you see in pretty pictures and, until you as a church family have an opportunity to affirm that. Now, having said that, your biggest opportunity to affirm that is something else that we're going to share with you this evening and something we're going to begin to talk about for the next really about eight weeks. And that is the way that you can come alongside this process in a practical way. You know, we are a, a church that's a Baptist church by background. And, and so there are some things that are, are part of our heritage and sometimes we do vote. But the truth is, I believe what older preachers have told me since I was a young pastor, which is that people vote every Sunday. They vote with their feet <laughs> and, and they vote with their wallets. 
And, and so really a, a big part of what you'll have the opportunity to do in the coming months and really the next few years is to show that you believe in this vision that God's given us. Tonight is, is more importantly an opportunity just to foster that thing that Jesus prayed for us about. And that's the unity of the body of Christ. I, I re- referenced John 17 in the morning message, but you'll remember that when Jesus prayed, he, he prayed first for those that were there around him specifically. He prayed for that generation that would come quickly as Christ's followers. And then he prayed for those of us who would come. The, the future generations. We now know we would make up the church. And what did he pray for us? He prayed that we would be one, just as he and the Father are one. And so, you know, really tonight is about helping us in that area of oneness, helping us understand um, some of the big questions. So let me tell you three questions I'm going to cover in our time together. And, and throughout, I'm, I may have some other folks come alongside, but at the end of this time, you, you've got members of our renovation committee, as well as members of our capital campaign, campaign committee that are here in the room. Uh, they're going to hang around afterwards to answer any questions you have, because they can answer uh, really better than me. But the three big questions I'm going to answer uh, are, are going to be first, why, then what, and then finally, how? And, and I think after I answer those questions, you'll have a little better understanding of, of what we're launching forward with as a church family. Let me first begin with the why. Now, to get to the why, the first thing I have to do is turn to Scripture. Another passage we talked about this morning was 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In 1 Corinthians 10, the Apostle Paul is is dealing with how you navigate life in this world. How is it that we get to a place where we realize we're not of this world, yet we are in this world? And so that was the practical application this morning, right? That we've got to understand we face temptation, even as Christ's followers. But be encouraged, because God is faithful, right? It's what we said. Uh, not everybody quickly affirmed that, but God is faithful, right? So there's no temptation that you face. It's not common to man, and, and that because of Jesus, there is a way out. And so all of 1 Corinthians 10 is about how we navigate this, how we live this Christian life. And then you get to verse 31, and in verse 31, this is what it says, if you'll allow me to paraphrase. Uh, whether you eat, whether you drink... <laughs> These basic things that all of us do. By the way, can I interrupt this for an important service announcement? Some of you that have been to many a gathering like this know that it's not uncommon that we really make an effort to uh, give you some good snacks out front. I mean, we might have things like eclairs and chocolate fudge and all kind of candy, but something happened. Yep, something happened. The pastor had a heart catheterization, so now we have fruit and vegetables. I don't know who made that decision, but that's the, way, <laughs> that's the way it works. So eating, drinking, these are things we all do. But Paul says, whatever you do, whether you eat, drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. So you're going to hear us say again and again in different ways our why. But at the end result, we want God to be glorified in our decisions, We don't want to step out and go one centimeter that God's not asking us to go because we want to do this with his guidance. 
But let me dig a little deeper. It's been literally several years that we've been saying on our central campus, really we began this even when we only had two campuses, we began saying we need, we need a renovation in our worship center. And much of what we thought is that we would do new chairs, to take out the pews. Some of those are falling apart. It's been a while since you've sat in those, so you may not remember, but I was at a, a, a funeral not long ago, and, and someone sat in one of the pews, and when they got up, the end of the pew got up with them. I mean, so that was just a, ne- a necessary thing. But, but then things that anyone does in a house, I mean, new carpet, new, new paint, uh, new technology, right? Some of you, now there's two or three of you maybe still have a flip, flip phone, but most of us get the upgrades when necessary. And you know, a lot of churches don't do that. We're, we stay behind the time. So we knew we needed to do that. And so over the last few years, we've brought in several companies to give us different bids about how to do that, to give us their ideas. And one of those companies was named Grace Construction. And when Grace came in to give us that bid, that's exactly what they came in to do. But if you were here in this meeting like this in June, what I told you is they then came to us and said, we have another idea, but, but we need to dig a little deeper. Would it be okay with you if, if we take another week or so and dig a little deeper? And I said, sure. This was late in the spring last year. And or this year, and, and so they came back and they said, Here, here's our idea. We think you can really begin to set this campus straight if you flip the auditorium that you have, get rid of the balcony that you're already saying we would have had to repair, and then create some space for you as a church to fellowship and gather. Now, this was not a foreign idea, particularly to Pastor Gary and myself, who've met probably with 10 different construction companies over my 10 years. Because uh, a lot of them would say, I wonder why they, they did this side at the front and that side at the back. And, and then some of them would look at the original plans and go, oh, it, originally it was supposed to be opposite. I wonder why it switched. And we could never get an answer. But everybody always told us, yeah, but it, it's not really possible to switch that. They also have told us consistently that there was no feasible way to fix the traffic flow issues in our current central campus facility. Between the worship center and the ministration building, connecting really the chapel and the preschool children's wing, you got that tiny hallway that becomes a massive area of congestion. And so I think it was Pastor Gary, my first couple of months that I began to ask, can we knock down some walls? I mean, can we? And we just repeatedly, we'd bring people in there would say, no, 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 no. But when Grace came back, they not only said, we think you should flip this room. And they said, um, and we believe you can launch out into this other building and create a gathering space that then positions your campus to go forward into the next generation. But they said it'll no longer be an under a million dollar worship center renovation project. At that point, you're going to start pushing over the two, three million dollar mark probably. 
And I can remember sitting in that meeting and they were all around the table in our conference room and the, the architect that was helping, had, had done the studying and was researching this was there. And I said, you know, this is a, a big decision. And, and he said, yeah, here's the decision, Paul, you really got to make. Do you want to do something that's going to be like a facelift? That's going to be good. And people will walk in. We can do a facelift that will make people walk in and go, wow, our church is awesome. Or he said, do you really want to position this church to be what it needs to be for the next 20 or 30 or 40 years? And I'll be honest, church family, that was kind of a convicting moment for me. Because I felt like an architect that I was just getting to know had really spoken with greater truth and clarity than than I had understand. You, You see, the reality is when I first met with some of you in this room who were on a search committee for the senior pastor at that time, one of the things we talked about is a question this church has been battling since the 90s. Should we relocate? Our area is changing. Should we go out to New Tampa or or maybe Wesley Chapel and just start all over? Because in our denomination particularly, that's what churches have done. When neighborhoods changed, rather than stay there and reach the people, they've moved. And honestly, in in our particular denomination, it's often been as a result of something that Growing up in South Carolina, you would call white flight. The people here now don't look quite like us, and so let's go to where they do. Now, I I said the late 90s. I came here as pastor in 2011, so obviously that change had not taken place. And as, as I came here, one of the things we talked about is we will have to address those issues. I mean, are we gonna be at that point? I'll never forget meeting with Mr. Ralph D'Elia because we, we were battling our, our, our campus and the challenges. I mean, almost 40 air-conditioned units uh, that are in our, our facility. And, and there had been, frankly, many, many years with deferred maintenance, it's called without really keeping up with things. And, and I'll never forget <laughs> when Mr. Ralph, who was like a hero and a spiritual leader to me, when, when he said, Pastor, you know, if I, if I take all the emotion out of it, if I just look logically, and the easiest thing would be just to start over. It's going to take a lot of work. But as I sat around the conference table on, on that day, I really began to think about what God was doing in our church and and how he had allowed us to create a, not just multi-generational church that one of our members who's here almost every Sunday morning just turned 100. Uh, Not only that, but we have babies being born into our nursery on a regular basis, but we're also a a multicultural church, a diverse body that looks kind of like our community. And so, You know, as I've thought and prayed for 10 years, I've certainly not gotten God's peace that we can walk away. I mean, there are tens of thousands of people under the shadow of our steeple and hundreds of thousands of people within a reasonable drive. And it's like that day, my new friend Jeff, the architect, it's like he was saying to me, Paul, this is a decision between putting a Band-Aid on a real problem or doing reconstructive surgery. And that really is part of our why, isn't it? Now, 
as you're going to see in a moment, as we've gotten into this, it's become a big deal. And if you've ever served on a building committee or if you've ever done this in, in your line of work, there's even a term, or maybe you've done this in your home, remodeling. There's a term for this. It's called scope creep. Because the scope of your project, you begin to say, well, how can I do that and not do that? And if I do this, then I must do that. And if I do that, then I've absolutely got to do this. And so some of that's taking place. And what you're going to hear from this evening is the work of of that renovation team that we established in June that now for the last really about three months has been meeting together with our builders, with our architects, going back and forth and, and seeing how God would lead us to go forward. And, and we're excited about what we're going to bring you. But it's a big step. It is an act of faith. But it would be reconstructive surgery. And it would reposition this central campus, the hub of the ministries of our church, both locally locally and globally. It would reposition us physically to be prepared to do the ministry God wants us to do, we believe, spiritually, for generations to come. One more why, and then I'm going to ask for two of my elder friends just to come and say a word about the why. Another thing your pastor had to do is really double down on what I feel like God is calling me to do in my life. Honestly, when I came to this church, the first couple of years were, were way more challenging than I would have envisioned them being. And our church began to rapidly go through some of the change that was probably a necessity, but that began to happen on a a quick timetable. We then entered into a season where some pretty amazing things have happened. After really into about year three, there began to be such a continual sweet spirit in our church. Decisions began to be much more consensual. And we began to see God changed lives. You know that in in 10 years, we saw more than 1,000 people walk through the waters of believers' baptism? That's exciting. And in this last year, as we were navigating COVID, we saw just just under 100 walk through those waters even in this last year. God's continuing to work. But before I could lead you out in this way, I had to have a sense of confidence that Unless God makes it crystal clear, this is where he's stationed me. And so I just want to say that, a personal word, that um, I've kind of grown to the age. I'm not looking to to climb to a a bigger setting. I don't think bigger is always better. And I'm I'm not sure how, as a pastor, as a leader, with the heart that I have, I'm not sure how it could be better than things are here. So I'm not... um, I'm not going to ask you to step out and join me in something that I don't plan to see become a reality. I'm doing this because, good night, if the Lord wills, who knows, maybe my grandchildren will one day live in the shadows of these campuses. 
And I want to make sure we're prepared for those moments. But it's been very important to me in this process that I not go alone. So I'm going to ask first Mr. Bill Buckley uh, just to come to this microphone, Mr. Bill. Um, I want to tell you a story. I believe um, in a principle that I call um, the Claude Principle. It's, it, it came from John Maxwell many years ago. He tells a story that he went to this church and he had grand vision and great ideas and he would go to the meetings and he would say, church, this is what we need to do. And he said, it seems like every time he would get voted down, <laughs> they wouldn't do it. But then the next month, one of the deacons, a guy named Claude, would come to the meeting and he would say, church, I think this is what we need to do. And John Maxwell saying, that's what I said last month. But when Claude said it, everybody said, that is a great idea. <laughs> so one of the first questions I asked the pastor search team is, who are the Claudes in our church? <laughs> and they mentioned a couple of guys, at least one of them is in the room tonight. They both may be. One of those was Ron Govan, who's a trustee in our church. The other is Mr. Bill Buckley. And so throughout our time together, Bill, we've had a lot of conversations. Sometimes we had to dig a little deeper to, to, to make sure we were on the same page. But I value your wisdom. Would you just take a couple minutes from your perspective before we start showing pretty pictures and speak to the why. Tell this church why we need to step forward at this time. Thank you, Pastor. But the why is as... Some of the reasons he's already spoken to, but I will address, and I'm in total agreement that that sanctuary or worship center is 39 years old. It's uh, been used, abused, and it really, really, I mean, the, the least could do but update it. But is updating really going to do anything for the future and carry us into the future? No, it will not. Not for the next 25 or 30 years. And it's time for major, major renovations and reconstruction Sometimes you just have to go that route, and I, I'm a firm believer that uh, reconstruction is, is necessary and needed. And I could mention uh, the major one, one of the major ones, that uh, not only the dating of the facility and the worn out of the facility is, is the congestion that's always there on Sunday morning. Uh, and, and those of you that worship here understand and know exactly what I'm saying, but... Uh, that's just, that's just it. Outdated bathrooms that need major repair. Uh, I could probably stand here and, and give you other reasons, but uh, that's just two of the couple to up, update uh, and to renovate the bathrooms, to relieve the congestion, have a meeting place, a, a free flow of traffic, to even beautify our, uh, I think you will see some pictures of beautifying the presentation on 56th Street of your church and of your campus. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to make a, a, a real impact on the community. What will it say to the community? We, we must, we just must do it. It's, it's something that we must uh, undertake. And uh, I'm for it. I'm all for it. And I hope and pray that uh, you, you will do it because it's just if anybody goes in there, you know the datedness of it. The, everything in there is, is worn out uh, just about it. As he said, you know, the, I've seen uh, some screws on into pews and those types of things. And the comfort of the, of the facility, uh, it's been patched, it's been updated. We've added video. 
It wasn't there 39 years ago. They just didn't do those sorts of things. But it wasn't done with high quality. And uh, it's, it's just, it's, we've gotten to a point, if we're going to move on, if we're going to progress, if God's going to bless us, it's time to move. And we've got to, we've got to go. So it's just time. So. Thank you, Mr. Bill. Thank you, Mr. Bill. Hey, let's do a quick exercise. And then, Mr. Ralph, I'm going to ask you to, to come and kind of do the same thing for just a moment. But uh, I'm going to ask some groups of you, and this may be hard for a second, but I'm going to ask some groups of you to stand, and if you do stand in one of these groups, to remain standing. If you professed your faith in Christ or were baptized in that worship center next door, would you stand up? If you were married, and, and some of you may already be standing, but if you were married in that worship center next door, would you stand up? Okay, wow. If you've had, keep standing, if you've had children that were baptized or grandchildren that were baptized in that building, would you stand up? <laughs> if you remember the life of a loved one, at a memorial service or a funeral service in that building, would you stand up? Yeah. So what I want you to understand is that I recognize the emotion that goes with facility. Because what facility does is it facilitates the big moments of our life. And we've just talked about some of the biggest I was thinking about that today, Bill. You mentioned 39 years. It's right at 40 years. And think of all that God's done. And think of all that he can do. You can be seated. Mr. Ralph, Mr. Ralph D'Elia served for many years as the facilities director here in our church. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times he and Gary would come into my office and I, I wanted to hide under my desk, but it's open, and so I couldn't hide, and, you know, they were inevitably telling me another air unit's down, or, or we've got another leak, or, or those kinds of things. Uh, like Mr. Bill Buckley, Mr. Ralph is one of our teachers. Um, he's actually my mama's teacher, and um, teaches some of the oldest saints in our church. Mr. Ralph, could you just take a moment and speak to the why, why we would go forward? director when I got ready to retire I was had to tell poor Jeremy I said I'm sorry to leave you like this <laughs> I said but there's a lot that needs to be done around here <laughs> believe it or not Bill said that uh, sanctuary is 39 years old I've been here 20 years and it was one of the units that's still running air-conditioned unit one thing that's going to excite me is they're going to be putting all new units we will have all new air taken care of electrical I was electrical uh, in my business before I came here and that's another thing that needed to be done around here is a lot of electrical upgrades and uh, that was one of my questions uh, when we were meeting with the uh, contractors is this going to be taken? oh yes it'll be all taken care of and upgraded and all that will be taken care of so that's another uh, reason why but one of the things that really excited me the most is when I saw the drawing of the reception area that we're going to have because over all the years this little area by the elevator, 
was such a congestion. And I've got kind of like Pastor Paul said, we've got contractors in here. And, oh, no, that's a two-story building. We can't take that down. We can't do anything with that. It's got to stay like that. You've got to live with it. Well, these people have figured out a way for different openings and different ways to get it fixed. You're going to love it when you see the picture. It got me excited. Another thing that excited me is they're going to do away with that balcony. <laughs> Those... You know, just going up and down there on a Sunday, but when you're here working and have to go up and down them uneven stairs, <laughs> it gets you a little bit excited to know that, that they'll be taken care of. And we'll have a lot of open. We, when you'll see the pictures, you'll enjoy seeing how the open space will look so good and everything will work in that way. So I'm like Mr. Bill. I'm all for it and I'm all excited about it. And I just hope that uh, we can all be the same way. Thank Amen. you. Thank you, Mr. Ralph. These men are serving on our renovation team, so they're, they're not just speaking as members of the church. They're involved in this process. As we continue, I, I want us to move from the why to the what, because I know that's what a lot of you are interested in. So let me give a couple of disclaimers before we get started, right? Number one, you're going to see what we call architectural renderings. Um, growing up in church, my dad regularly did building programs. He was at the same church 32 years, so there were several of them. And I can remember as a child seeing that in those architectural renderings, the cars looked really contemporary. And the, it was kind of like I was looking at something that, from the Jetsons. And, and the people looked neat and clean, way more neat and clean than anybody I knew in Hartsville, South Carolina. And that's when I began to realize that architectural renderings are not necessarily trying to say this is exactly what we're going to have. They're concepts. They're showing you where we believe we want to go. What your team, your fellow members have not done yet, they've not begun to talk about colors. They've not begun to pick out furniture. Those kind of design issues have not been done. What we've done is worked with a team and we've we've developed a plan we feel like is a good plan to launch us forward. So that's what we're going to go into. Now, before we could do that, we wanted you to know that we were thinking beyond this moment. Because what I've kept saying is that we're repositioning our physical campus to position us spiritually to reach generations to come. And so the first thing I want you to see is really what we would call a very rough master plan. So I want you to look at that on the screen, and we're going to turn over the first of these boards. And let me just tell you, 96% of you cannot see these boards here. About 40% of you can't see the screen. <laughs> After tonight, we're going to leave these boards up, not only this evening, but as you come in on Sundays, you'll see these in the atrium. And so you're going to have an opportunity to see what we're talking about. We just want you to show that there's been thought put into the future. And this thought, again, is not a specific plan, but this is general thought, consistent, as Bill and others would tell you, with what this church has had for decades, which is that one day, the next big building that this church would build on this campus would be between this building, our Family Life Center, and our existing worship center. 
You see that there in the, the center. It says a future two-story school. That's kind of how the architect would describe Sunday school, what we call community groups. But that would be for preschool and children, because some of you know that our preschool and children are meeting in some of the roughest space in our church. So, what would we like? We would like God so to exceed our expectations that the giving so astounds us that we begin to work with our architect and our partners and say, let's go forward with this other building at the same time. If we did that, what you can see over on what is the south side of our property is that that existing old preschool and children's area would come down, right? And that would create a new parking area and help meet some of the needs in our church facility. I don't want you to get lost in that, but that lets you know that there's been thought into the big picture. And and I think that's important. And now, for the part you've all been waiting for, do me a favor. You hear this on airlines. Could you make sure your seat belts are securely fastened? (laughs) I don't want anyone falling out of chairs. You know, if we would have done what we mentioned, if we would have just done paint and carpet and chairs and reconstructed our existing balcony for safety. Before we did anything with the audiovisual, we think we would have been at about seven, eight hundred thousand dollars. I know this is shocking to some of you, but just doing audiovisual for a room like this or a room like that, you could easily spend another million dollars. So I just want you to have that as an understanding of where we're going to, do, to go. What I'm going to do is show you a very rough price tag of, of where we feel like this project we're about to unveil would take us, and, and then I'm going to introduce the project to you. Let me say one more thing after about what I've just said. This price tag comes after months of work from Grace Construction. So we feel like this is a high-end price tag. In other words, we do not think the price for what you see will exceed this. Contingency has been built into that to establish for that. We're now in the process of finalizing what are called architectural plans and mechanical engineering plans. Those have to be done to really get the final price tag. But we wanted to be able to bring this to you because we need to communicate that to get to the how. So are you ready for it? How about let's do a leg drum roll? Okay, I know you needed that. So here, let me just walk through this next slide. Let's just get to the bottom line so you can go. (gasps) (laughs) We're talking about a total project price tag of about $5.5 million. What that's gonna include that you're gonna see on these slides and on these boards. A worship center reconfiguration, the creation of a gathering space, a brand new grand entrance, which is a new construction, as well as a covered portico on the south side of our facility to provide for that. It's gonna necessarily include the steeple removal. Let me speak to that quickly. Um, Our current roof is going to have to be rebuilt. We've already known that. Mr. Ralph knew that when he was here. Mr. Buckley, who's been our chairman of trustees, he's known that for years. We've got an existing current leak. If you voted 
with your feet and your purses that we weren't doing any of this, if our churches can continue to exist, even if we didn't paint or carpet or move the pews, we would have to do the new roof. In that process, I think you're going to see that it makes sense to remove the steeple. But let me give you some of the reasons. One is because that steeple makes us the highest point in Temple Terrace in Hillsborough County, which is the lightning capital of the world. And so, since I've been here three different times, our facility has been struck by lightning, costing us tens of thousands of dollars on top of our insurance, our, our insurance deductibles. So, another thing we recognize is that in, in churches in general, the steeples, which have, have been a, a long-standing thing in traditionally built churches, um, one of the things we've noticed is that they become water hazards. Because they are always adjoined to the roof, that's always a place where it's easier for water to come in, not unlike a fireplace that some of you even in Florida have in your house. Okay? The third reason is recognizing that we're suggesting a major change to the facility. So what you see here is actually one way that the front of the facility could look. So some of you didn't even recognize what that is. That's removing the columns it will close the doors, which will need to be closed because no one will be able to come in those entrances. And so, as you can see, it would look a little odd for the steeple to be right there in that current configuration. I think you're going to see something we're proposing that really meets that need. I would just say to you, I'm the pastor that added a cross into the interior of our worship center, a cross that wasn't there. So this is not a spiritual decision in any way other than, yeah, we feel like it may be in accordance with God's will. Uh, this is just a practical decision that we feel like needs to be made. So you see there's that roof framing correction um, and some of the removal of that front of the, the east uh, entrance there and the patio and sidewalk. You see that the front of the worship center branded and then audiovisual. Let me tell you what this does not include if we feel like, if we're able to raise additional funds. We feel like there's a need to improve our existing parking. The first area we'd want to do that probably would now be on our south lot because of what you see. It's a wooded lot now that separates us and our missions house. That's probably where we would work quick. That's not included in this project, but needs to be done. Our children's area, though we're planning for the future, it needs an up, update just like we did to our preschool area. So assuming we don't get a $10 million gift and, and are able to go forward with this preschool children, we'd like to spend about $100,000 or so in our children's area, much like we did with our preschool. This also doesn't include other expected things that we intend to do at our two other campuses. We know there's some structural work that needs to be done at our Six Mile campus, we intend to do that, as well as uh, some of the things that need to be done at our Lake Carroll campus. We have plans to finish painting the exterior of that facility. We also have plans to create a new children's area in our Lake Carroll campus. So those are things that, that we hope to do that are not a part of this project, which is primarily the Central Campus Worship Center renovation. And you see that adds up. Now, what will this mean? You're going to see it, but let me say it first. This means that when this project is complete, if we're able to do all of these things, 
you'll literally be walking into a brand new worship center except for the walls. Everything inside that worship center, including the roof, will be new. As Mr. Ralph said, though obviously we use anything we can electrically, but the truth is a lot of the electrical will be new. Plumbing will have to be redone in some areas. All the air condition will be new, updated, modernized to better facilitate who we are. So, without further ado, let's get into that, all right? We want to show you the floor plan of what that would look like. That's that next slide. I realize you can't see this well, but let me explain what I've just told you is on there, and then you're going to have an opportunity to look at this up close. We're also going to put these uh, figures on our website probably later this week, so be aware of that. So you see the worship center has been flipped. You see the stage at what is the east side of our worship center. That's 56th Street. Uh, Right there at the top would be where 56th Street is. And then you see that coming off the back of the building now, you've got this huge area that says gathering. That gathering space, you'll see some renderings of that, but what that gathering space does is create a grand entryway into uh, our worship center. There'll be a cafe, there'll be coffee tables and sofas where you can sit and interact with, with people and fellowship, something that we've not had except in this atrium. And boy, have we loved it in this atrium. If you want to get some, a picture of what that, you see it in brown there, but what that, that gathering area would be square footage, it's almost exactly the size of the carpeted area of the atrium. Not as high, because this is a three-story building, right? But uh, from a a, a floor space area, it's almost exactly the same as the carpeted space right outside these doors in our atrium. You also know something that became a part of this creep, (laughs) the scope creep. Because of doing this, uh, in one of our meetings, one of our, our dear ladies said, we're doing all this work, and we'd... How do we just still enter through the same, uh, same entrances? And that's where committees and coming together in church life really become important. Because that was brilliant. How do you spend what would already be millions of dollars just to do that and not create an entryway to make people feel like they're coming into something special? So on here you'll see uh, in what is the south Uh, west corner there in brown, you see actually a new construction building that's roughly 500 square feet, 400 square feet. I'm looking for a nod. Uh, I can't tell if you're saying up or down. Up. So it's above that. Okay. So um, so it's, uh, shout it out, George. About 650 square feet that is actually an entryway area. Uh, you're going to see that on some slides in a moment. And then you'll see outside of that, we've created a new drive and a covered portico on what will be the grand primary entrance to the church uh, that has somewhat of the feel of the portico that you have right here entering into this church. So in the immediate, preschool and children that are still meeting over there, parents can drop off there. That'll be very important for our weekday school Uh, But also, that's a great place where seniors, like my mom, who's dropped off right out here every morning, can be dropped off and then go straight in the the primary entrance of our church. 
So that gives you a, a general feel uh, for how that looks. Let's look inside, remembering that, um, you know, we, we, these are not colors, this is not the exact, but this is the facility design that you're going to see inside. So let's look at that slide. Inside. Yeah, that slide. The one you got there now. Not that slide. <laughs> that slide. Okay. So uh, what you see is we tried to incorporate a lot of what is the existing beauty of our worship center, but recognizing, it's hard to believe this, but, but do you realize how long we've already been worshiping in this setting? And so our, our church has a very contemporary feel already, and, and this more kind of demonstrates what you see. So the staging, again, this is not about carpeting or flooring or how that looks, but this is the design. And so you see we still have a baptistry up above. That is then looking. So this area that you see here, right now, those would be the back doors of the church or the front doors of the church, considering how you look at it. Right now, 56th Street is right outside that area. So you can see why there's no entrance coming in there. Now, I think the next slide should be the looking the other direction looking back toward the balcony. And so this is going to be hard for you to understand until you come and stare at some of the plans. But this is a smaller, safer balcony. And the way we're able to do this is because that's actually the existing second floor of our facility. You'll notice it's not a hangover balcony, which created a lot of bad seats for a lot of people for all of those 39 years. Uh, well, what it is, it's a balcony that actually can be used as dual purposes. So it, the floor would be flat, so you could set tables and chairs in there for meetings or Bible studies when a worship service is not going on. You could enter the balcony here through the side. So again, something, frankly, that even in our existing building, can't do, you can't do. As a pastor, you want to be able to encourage people to come forward if possible without them losing eye contact. And this creates that opportunity. You see a couple of rooms, one here and one here. Uh, one of these would be for our translation. If you've been worshiping in this room and you sit near the back, you keep turning around going, what's that noise? And then you realize it's people translating me into three different languages. In this facility, what you'll notice is that uh, that will be enclosed in a room. The other will be for our live stream room. And so we're very, very excited about that. That's the worship center itself. Then let's look at that picture, I think you may have seen it a while ago, of the cafe, that gathering space area. Hard to imagine, isn't it? That, that becomes a gathering area. So think of it this way, if you're real familiar with this facility, and some of you haven't. Some of you are new to our church, so you've never worshiped in the worship center. But if you think of it, when you go in right now in that, we call it the elevator lobby, you see first the resource room. Well, all of this area is opened up, right? So the resource room's kind of here on this end, and all of this area is opened up into what is the copy room and the conference room and our finance office and a little hallway. And it opens up, and you'll notice, here's that new addition I'm talking about. You're going out into a grand entry right here. If you look the other direction, you see the same kind of thing, but just from a different perspective. 
So I'm looking at the opposite end. Now I'm looking back toward the area that would be the resource room. Back on this end is where I'm going to enter through that grand entrance. And now, this is where the project grew in scope a little bit. But I have to say it's one of my favorite things. I want you to see that portico and the grand entrance as designed. So there's the new part of the facility, and you see it's built in such a way that even when this facility comes down, that will be a freestanding grand entrance into the church. Our architects designed this in such a way that it has the curved glass, much like, <laughs> pointed out there, much like the, uh, the front of the FLC. Lots of glass, and it's curved. But I want you to, to notice this portico. Now, could we have done that simpler? Yes. But what this does is it creates a look for our church for the day that this is not here. And as people drive down 56th Street, what will they see? Not an old steeple that is in deep need of repair and tender loving care. <laughs> they see the cross. And I think that's going to be more and more important in this immediate community. The next slide, you have a different view of this. By the way, I think these people are part of a pastor search committee because they're wearing suits. They don't know we don't do that, but I'm going to tell them I'm not interested. But uh, you see the portico here? <laughs> you see the portico, how it extends here? Again, this is the, purpose, the, the benefit of having a group that meets. So the architect and Grace would come with a design and we'd say, well, you know, is that really covering people? Because what if, you know, someone comes during the week and they want to bring their tithe check in here to the offices and now they had to come out in the rain just to do that. And so it actually extends. And what you can't really see, but this is creating a passageway, a walkway that goes down the side of our existing education building that, again, externally will connect everything together. Remember the phrase I keep saying, physically positioning our facility to spiritually position us to be a hub of ministry for generations to come. All right, let's look at that next slide. So this just gives you a perspective of what that would look like today if we did this with the roof repair and the steeple removal. Um, the only thing I'll just say, just because I know some of you like personalities like me, you see details and you think, well, that's not what it was. Even though I've told you, don't get caught up in the details here, but that kind of looks like shingles. That would not be a shingles roof. There's a special design that construction folks use for that portico, and you'd see that. The last slide you would see would just be a way that we could redo the front of that facility, and that's what you would see from 56th Street as you're driving by. Truthfully, right now, if you're driving by, unless you look quickly and see one of our banners or our small sign, you don't even know it's a church. And that's something that people my age and older need to understand. We live in a post-Christian culture that that steeple doesn't really mean anything to them. A lot of them can't see far enough to know there's a cross near the top. But when you look at something like this, it'll be unmistakable who we are. All right. Well, yeah, just take a minute and...
really just, that, that should be appreciation for um, all the work that, that so many of your staff, I mean, goodness, DJ, who serves our role, our church in so many areas, and Pastor Gary, and, and, and then our team from Grace Construction, but uh, all of the members uh, of our renovation team. If you're here and a part of that renovation team, would you stand up right quickly so that everyone just can say thank you to you? Uh, yep, a couple of those you've seen. Some are hesitant to do that. Yeah. So we've talked about the why, we've talked about the what, and now I want to talk to you about the how. And that's where we all come in. Because as you know, um, man, this is a, a big, big price tag. And we've already said that 5.5, it, it doesn't cover everything that we want to do. And there would easily be another half million dollars we could spend instantly doing some of those things that need to be done. And so we're asking God to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond that which we've even asked, dreamt, or imagined. And we're asking him to do that how? What does that verse say in Ephesians 3.20? Does anybody know? It's through the power that's already at work within us. We're asking God to use the body to help fund his vision. Here's what we know. Facts. God, God will pay for what he orders. And so is this, if this is his will, he's going to blow our minds. We also know we're not going to go forward with that which we can't pay for. You've never heard me as a pastor in now over 10 years say that we will never have any debt. Uh, sometimes it's, it's wise. Many of us in here have a mortgage. And frankly, in this current environment, um, that's a pretty cheap thing to do, to get money that way. But what we wouldn't do is we wouldn't do a mortgage that we couldn't readily pay through what we already know is coming in. So we know a large portion of this could not be that. Most of this has to be raised. And that's what this for stewardship campaign is all about. It's putting the power back into your hands and into your pockets. It's asking you to do what you can do for us to continue to reach those around us. We've called this campaign for because that answers the biggest question. What are we doing this for? <laughs> well, we're doing it for you. In this room, you stood up a while ago and you demonstrated you demonstrated the way in which even that room next to us has impacted your life. Some of you have been a part of this church for a long time. Some of you gave sacrificially to build that building. Many of you gave sacrificially to build the other buildings after that. Some of you, like our family, came alongside a few years ago and gave sacrificially to pay off the debt of this building. We're doing this for you. We want to protect your investment. And prepare for the future. But we're also doing for those that are coming behind us. That next generation, right? We're doing this for Franz's children. And people like that. Recognizing that if we don't act, we will become like so many of the churches across Tampa Bay. 
that just could not take those steps of faith to continue to be what they needed to be. And so they're not reaching today and they're certainly not reaching the next generation. We're doing this for the next generation, but we're also doing this for the city. And yes, this campus is here in Temple Terrace, but we consider all of Tampa our city. We've got two other campuses, the communities around our campuses. Just as this week we've been reaching out into those communities at Lake Carroll and at Six Mile, we continue to do that. And we're doing that for those in the shadow of all of our buildings. But as Scripture teaches, we're doing it for the nations. Because as we just illustrated in that time of prayer for Haiti, It's never just about us. This is just to position us physically, to position us spiritually, to be a ministry hub for the future. And that ministry takes place across the street and it takes place around the world. That's what we're asking God to help us do. We're doing this for His kingdom. Because it's not our church. We're not doing this because we have a if we build it, they will come mentality. Frankly, let me just say very clearly, if that were my mentality, I would do everything I could to get you to relocate and let's go build a new facility where people are newly moving into. No, we're doing this for the kingdom of God. The people around this campus especially right now, they need to be a part of God's kingdom. The growing Muslim population in this community, they need to see on a daily basis and find the answers for what that cross stands for. So we're doing this ultimately for the glory of God. That's where we started, right? 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. So really, this is the soft introduction. Over the next several weeks, you're going to begin to hear about this campaign called FOUR. And we're going to talk about it in community groups. We're going to talk about it in our worship services beginning October 31st. And then on December 5th, we're going to ask you to come alongside and to make a three-year commitment over and above your regular giving to be a part of this campaign to pray for this process. Let me explain that for those to whom it may not be clear. Our family believes in sacrificial giving. We, in fact, believe that the tithe is not just something that the Old Testament taught. We believe that Jesus commended that, Matthew 23, 23. He was asked by the Pharisees about the tithe, and he said, yes, tithe, but don't stop there. So we look at our income, and we look at the gross amount of that, and we start with a 10% figure when we start in our giving to this church. I don't say that in any kind of way other than accountability to you. We also give to our special ministries. We give regularly to our missions ministry. We still give to what we call the legacy campaign on occasion. We give to our radio ministry called the Barnabas Effect. Sometimes we give to other special needs that we have. And we'll give to this. While I'm not telling you tonight, I'll be a little more specific about what we're going to do in the weeks to come. And Kimberly and I are already praying together that God would give us an ability to make the most sacrificial gift we've ever made. And just to put it in perspective, we're doing that 
with right now two children in college and we are going to have two, two children in college for as far as we can see into the future. Um, we're looking at some pretty radical ways to consider being sacrificial. The campaign actually doesn't launch publicly for uh, two more weeks. Uh, actually, next week in our, our community group gatherings, there really is a, a public awareness of, about what we're doing. It's a, a vision gathering where in a lot shorter time, people will have an opportunity to, to hear what we're doing and, and to ask any questions. But really then on October 31st, we're going to start walking through and really challenging ourselves from God's Word, asking what, is he, what does He want us to do. So I want to be specific. Because we are a people, this is an information time, and uh, we are a people of prayer. Financially, this has been a good season for us as a church family for a variety of reasons. One is because of your faithfulness. Another is because of the stewardship of those who are leading out in the areas of our church. Another is because we managed well what we received coming through COVID as a result of a governmental program. So the truth is, um, we, we stand tonight as far as a cash position better than we've been in, in my 10 years as your pastor. So you just need to be aware we're not living week to week per se, though some weeks' expenses work that way. We're living in such a way that We've got now, I think, DJ, well over $600,000, maybe over seven, even, or nearing seven, um, that, are, that are in, is in our, our bank. So, so let me just repeat again, we're not going forward with any of this without your approval at another setting, and we're not going to do what, what you don't help us gather for the glory of God. And so what's it going to take? Some of you have never been through anything like this with any church or with our church. For some of you, it, it really is that gift that's described in that story by Jesus. It's the widow's might. You're sitting here and you're seeing these plans and you're thinking, I, I don't have a whole lot. But the reality is you may give one of the most sacrificial gifts because you give out of what you have. Others of you have been blessed. And I believe in the New Testament when Jesus said, yes, tithe, but don't stop there, he was talking about proportional giving. So some of you are looking at what you have in savings and retirement and IRAs and stock, and the reality is you could be a difference maker in this campaign. It's not going to be a news flash, but I am not God. <laughs> so I don't know how he would do this, but it would seem in this process for example, that, that we would need one or more gifts that are in that million-dollar-plus range. I look out at our congregation every week. I don't know where that could come from. But that's the kind of things that happen in a project like this. There would be gifts in hundreds of thousands of dollar ranges. I don't even know where those would come from. But that's the kind of things that happen. Then there would be gifts in the tens of thousands. And then there would be gifts in the thousands. 
And then there would be some very sacrificial gifts in the hundreds. I don't know what God's calling you to do. But I believe he is calling us to do this together. And that's exciting for me. I really do think our best days as a church are ahead. But we're going to have to spend some of our time getting things kind of physically ready at the home front. Our, our four committee is working in several subcommittees. One is an education committee that's going to be coming to your different community groups and helping guide your community groups over the next six weeks or so. Another is an events committee, and they're planning some special events. I mentioned December 5th. Put that on your calendar. Do not miss that day. That's commitment day where we'll ask everyone to make a commitment. And we've got big plans for that day for not only one service for all of our campuses, but for a big celebration after the service. And you're going to love what's being planned by that committee. There are, there are some other things coming up you may be interested in. On November 16th, we're going to have what we call a leadership dinner. We'll specifically invite a lot of folks who are in leadership in our church, but it's an early commitment opportunity. So we'll take anybody that wants to come. We'll spend some more time together and give you a chance, kind of be a pace setter, an early committer to what we're doing. And then throughout that same period, I'm going to be meeting individually with some folks. And I'm happy to meet individually with anyone that would like to. We're going to be doing that with our consultants who also has a master's in finance and can answer questions that you might have about creative ways that you could give. You're going to hear a lot more about that in the days ahead. These are exciting moments. You know, we're church people and we don't like to talk about money. And so these figures do seem big to us, but as Rick was talking, I'm just thinking about our, our, our two biggest business neighbors. Um, I don't know if you've driven down Fowler lately, but and just take a stab at how much the University of South Florida is regularly spending on improvements. And then notice what's happening around University Mall. And I know some of us are still maybe skeptical. But look at the investment that's being made there to try to improve because you can't leave. And that's what we're doing. Do me a favor, stand up with me. All in favor say, no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> As I told you, this is not a voting session, so there's not really going to be any interactive discussion in a big group. Uh, however, uh, following this, I, I'm going to ask the members of our renovation team, some of them gather up here, some may gather out, because I think we also, DJ, have some of these boards. Another set of these are in the atrium, and you can look out there. I've also got our friends with green shirts that are back here, and can, y'all can hang out for a couple minutes. These are from Grace Construction, and if you have uh, questions, kind of the leaders of that company, the, uh, the founders of that company are here, uh, Kyle and George. I just say thank you to them. They've been very patient with us. And so uh, we, we want you to ask questions. We're just not going to do that in a group because we've given you a lot of information. Did we fulfill that promise that we just wanted to inform you tonight because information is power and, and that helps you go? Lord, whether it's looking at my life or looking at our church, we just want to say uh, the bad we take the blame for. Anything good, it's all from you. And there's so much good in this church. Lord, thank you for those who've gone before us, for pastors, for lay people. 
founders with vision. Thank you in advance for those that will come behind us. Thank you for young adult leaders who've given their life to your church, like DJ and Andrew and Connor and others on our staff. Lord, we really do look to the future, and and we feel like we're in good hands. But beyond that, we know we're in your hand. So just hear us say and pray, we want your kingdom to come. We want your will to be done. We want your name to be sacred and holy in our midst, in our church, in our lives, for your glory. So God, we pray for that provision. We know you teach us to pray daily, Jesus, and we've we've just given you a big daily price tag. So God, if this be your will, would you knock our socks off with how you do it? And Lord, I pray for clarity and that you'd let that begin with me and Kimberly. And so, Lord, we realize that as we do this, there are other battles. So we pray that you'll keep us unified. Lord, I pray for those that maybe through the years have pulled away because of bad relationship or unforgiveness, and yet they've not really found that place, that home, like what Rick just said. I I pray that you would grant forgiveness. You would help us to be forgiving of one another. And then, Lord, protect us from the evil one. May he get no victories in any daily battles. Lord, because how you end that prayer, that phrase that we're going to talk about next week, that's what this is about. Yours. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. It's all about you. Today and forever. So thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. Guide us and provide for your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.